Good evening, Covenant Fellowship Church. Uh, it's a joy to be here with you all and to have you here. Um, just wanted to make a few announcements uh, before we begin this evening's worship service. Uh, again, next uh, Lord's Day, we have kind of a lot going on, but we'll continue our series through the book of Romans, uh, picking off in uh, verses 14 through 18. And then we will also partake of the Lord's Supper, and we will have a fellowship meal as well uh, after service. So I would encourage all of you to attend and be there. Uh, as you can see in the bulletin, we have a lot of midweek events. I know many of you are familiar with them or our, our participants, so thank you for uh, being a part of those. Um, I would also like to just extend a uh, warm thanks to our commission of elders who are here uh, this evening. We have uh, ruling elder Paul DeStichter from uh, Trinity Reformed Church in Launchstool, uh, another uh, MMI church associated with Southeast Alabama Presbytery. Uh, we have our ruling elders here, uh, Sammy Rothfuss, uh, Oliver Pashka, and Stephen Sutanto uh, to represent our church in session. And then for teaching elders, we have Reverend Toby DeBose from, again, Launchstool uh, Trinity Reformed Church. Uh, many of you uh, know him and have uh, met him before. And we also have uh, Reverend Matthew Stangeli as well uh, from First Presbyterian Church in Norway. Uh, and so please extend your uh, warm welcome and greeting to all of them. We also have two guests uh, of the commission here this evening, uh, Reverend Dr. Charlie Wingard, uh, professor at Reform Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, where I just graduated from. He's also a, a minister of shepherding at First Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. And then we also finally have uh, Reverend Dr. Andrew Ritson, dear uh, friend of mine from the International Presbyterian Church in Larbert, Scotland. And so uh, these are uh, the men of your commission uh, for the ordination and installation service. Let's take a uh, moment of time to quiet our hearts in preparation for worship this evening. The congregation will please stand for the call to worship in anticipation of the presence of God in this place. Psalm 118, 24 to 26 says, This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Respond to God's gracious call by joyfully singing all glory, laud, and honor found in your hymn book, page number 235.
prayer. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Holy One, Adonai, Yahweh, you are creator and sovereign over the universe. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God and you are good. From the time of the patriarchs, you revealed yourself to be a God who calls a people to himself. And you have called us here tonight. So in Jesus' name, we worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, you are the God who calls sinners to salvation and into your service. You call prophets, priests, and kings. But in these last days, you sent your Son to call all men to himself, and by your Spirit, you have called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We rejoice with gratitude on this Lord's Day for the calling of Dylan Halter as pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church. God of the prophets, enable us by grace to worship you in spirit and in truth by centering all our affections and all our actions on the cross. Grant this for the sake of your only Son, Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. This is the word of God from 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 16. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for goodliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, impurity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Please take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 642, Be Thou My Vision. We stand as we sing.
seated. Hear the reading of God's word from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Amen. If you'll please keep your Bibles open to first or second Timothy, the fourth chapter, we'll look tonight especially at verses one through two. Uh, but before I read that, those verses again, what a wonderful evening this is. I hope that each and every one of you know how special tonight is. Uh, do you know that before the foundation of the world, God ordained that this man, Dylan Halter, come to be your pastor. And throughout his life, in every experience, he has been preparing Dylan for this moment and Megan to serve alongside him. And what a joy it has been for me to be a part of their lives the past several years. And do you know that from all eternity, God has been preparing you to receive the word from Dylan Halter. Tonight is a special night. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that the gospel will come to us not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear God's word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And here ends the scripture lesson, and this is the word of the Lord. If you were about to die and were to share your last words with your children, you would want to make them count. You wouldn't be talking with them about what's trivial. You would be, as a person with one foot, set in eternity, talking to them about things of eternal significance. Well, these are Paul's last words to his son of the faith, Timothy, the pastor in Ephesus. And Paul's word to him is preach, preach. There's urgency here. Timothy, you can't delay preaching. You must preach. Timothy, there's your immediate obligation. Look at verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach. The whole human race will appear before the judgment seat of God. We have to have that fact impressed upon us 
Every man and woman will appear before Christ's judgment seat. Therefore, Timothy, you must preach. So there's Timothy's immediate obligation. And Timothy, there's your future destination. Uh, the, uh, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Look at verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. That is, an Old Testament drink offering poured out on the altar. Uh, uh, Paul's life has been poured out. A, a, a life poured out in sacrifice. He goes on and says, And the time of my departure has come. Now he uses the language of an athletic contest. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Uh, Timothy has the obligation to preach just as Dylan does. He has the obligation to preach. He must also keep in mind as he preaches to you his destination and our destination, and that is the judgment seat of Christ. Timothy must preach. Your church's minister must preach. And you, the congregation, must insist that Dylan preach. This evening, three things pastors must know and congregations must know about preaching. First, pastors must know what to preach. Look at verse 2. Preach the word. Pastors must preach the word of God. All 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. Why? Because when the gospel is preached, Christ is offered to men and women. Christ is offered to men and women as Savior. Believe on him and you'll be reconciled to God. Believers receive Christ as the word is pre preached. To depend upon him for sanctification. To rely upon him daily for those needs they have to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastors must know what to preach. They must preach the word because through the word, Christ is offered. Richard Sibbs, the great Puritan writer, preaching is the chariot that carries Christ up and down the world. A beautiful picture, Christ offered to the world to be believed upon for salvation, to be relied upon for sanctification, uh, to be dependent upon for every need in life. In another place, Paul says, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. You know, a pastor can talk about his ambitions, his achievements, or he can talk about Christ's achievement, but he cannot do both at the same time. He has to make the decision to preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's what you want your pastor be, to be doing, to proclaiming Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's what you want your congregation to be doing also. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if around Stuttgart, people were to say, you know, we don't quite get what goes on at Covenant Fellowship Church. Uh, you know, they sing songs that we just don't sing. They talk about Bible teachings that are not all that familiar to us. But you know what? Those people at Christ Fellowship Church are always, always talking about Jesus. And you know, we as members of the church, we can talk about ourselves, our achievements, our preoccupations. We can talk about our trials. We can talk about our employments. Or when we're engaged with the world, we can be talking about Jesus. We want the people of Stuttgart to say, you know, whatever you say about this congregation, they're always, always talking about Jesus. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus of the Lord. We must know what to preach. Preach the word. 
So tonight we're looking at three things that pastors must know and congregations must know about preaching. First, pastors must know what to preach. And then pastors must know when to preach. Look again at verse 2. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Pastors must preach in season and out of season. What does that mean? Well, pastors must preach during times of revival when people are being converted and the church is flourishing. They've got to keep on preaching Christ. And then during times of spiritual dryness, of moral decline, of spiritual declension, what are they supposed to do? Well, go right on preaching, preach the gospel of Christ. They must preach in season and out of season. They must preach when biblical preaching is culturally acceptable. And there are times when it has been. And they must go right on preaching when preaching the gospel is, in, is, is unacceptable to the society in which the preacher ministers. They must preach in season and out of season. And then, as Dylan knows well, you have to preach when you feel like preaching and when you don't feel like preaching. You know, pastors aren't exempt from any of the common problems that people experience in the world. Uh, troubles at home, health trials, all the things that weigh us down, our financial needs, all those things that are common problems to the world, pastors experience too. And sometimes they just don't feel like preaching. But because they take to heart the word of God, because they know that they must preach in season and out of season, they're going to preach when they feel like it, and they're going to preach when they don't. Pastors must know when to preach. And this evening we're looking at three things pastors must know and congregations must know about preaching. Pastors must know what to preach. Pastors must know when to preach, and pastors must know how to preach. Uh, uh, look at verse 2 again. The pastor must know how to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Pastors must know how to reprove. They must be able to say, this is false doctrine. It doesn't line up with what the scriptures say. We need pastors that have that kind of discernment and from the pulpit can exercise that discernment. They must be able to confront immorality and say this is a departure from the way godly men and women should live. They must be able to stand up and be counted for righteousness. So pastors must know how to reprove, but pastors must also know how to rebuke. They must be able as they're out and among the congregation, visiting, doing the work of a pastor, uh, they must be able to say, this behavior has got to stop. They have to go to that angry man and say, if you can't uh, exercise self-discipline, if you can't learn to control your temper, uh, then you're going to destroy relationships that are close to you. You may well lose your job. You've got to stop sinning. Pastor's got to be able to go to a bitter woman and say, your bitterness, it's eating away at your insides. And that bitterness is going to overflow into every one of your relationships in your family and in your church. Your bitterness has to cease. He has to be able to go to the financially reckless family and say to the couple, you're putting yourself in harm's way. You have to exercise self-control. And he must be able to tell the professing Christian who's about to marry a non-Christian, if you proceed with what you've chosen to do, you will wreak spiritual havoc on your soul and sad consequences are going to come in the years ahead. Pastors have to know how to rebuke. And pastors must know how to exhort. And when we talk about exhortation, we mean to exhort men and women to live godly lives. 
Now, you know, Presbyterian ministers ordinarily are good at being able to explain the darkness of human sin. But however clear you are about that, you need to be able to explain even more clearly the beauty of godliness. You need to be able to explain to people the beauty of having a clean conscience before the Lord, the joy of walking with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You need to be able to tell the congregation, you need to witness because of the great joy that becomes with telling men and women, boys and girls, about the unsearchable riches of Christ and inviting them to come and share in those riches with you. You see, the pastor must be able to make righteousness beautiful, to talk about it with great passion as he earnestly encourages people to live godly lives. The pastor knows, must know how to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And Paul says he must do those things with patience. I think it was Jim Boyce that said one time, and I thought, I thought these were wonderful words. He goes, we overestimate what a congregation can accomplish in a couple of years. We overestimate, and we underestimate what a congregation can do in 20 years if it patiently attends to the means of grace, listens to the word preached, seeks to cultivate piety in our personal lives and in our homes, we underestimate what that church can accomplish with 20 years of faithful and consistent living. Uh, so your minister must teach, uh, uh, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with patience. And he must do that with teaching. Teaching demands confidence in the word. Uh, your minister mu and you must have absolute confidence in the word to save sinners. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that men and women are lost and hellbound without a saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Teaching demands confidence in the word to save. And then it demands confidence in the word to sanctify. Remember Jesus' high priestly prayer when he prayed to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That indeed as the priest's word is received by faith, the congregation will grow in godliness. And then biblical teaching demands confidence in the word of God to sustain believers in times of trial. Psalm 119.50, this is my confident, or this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. And then Psalm 119, verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I don't know how many funerals I've done over the last almost 50 years uh, now. I don't know how many funerals I've done. I've done three in the last few, few, few weeks. And when I do a funeral, I read a lot of scripture. And it has always amazed me how many people after the funeral service come and say to me, not that the, uh, uh, especially that the sermon was uh, edifying, I hope it was. Uh, uh, not so much their interest in the songs that were sung, but I've had family after family tell me the greatest comfort came when you read the word of God to us. They found comfort uh, in the scriptures. And as we go to the Lord in our weaknesses, our trials and our suffering, we find that there's great comfort in the word of God. And I know that that comfort is going to come from this pulpit as Dylan ministers the word of God to you. So the pastor must reprove, rebuke, and exhort with patience and with teaching. Patient teaching, that's what's called for here, is it not? And it's difficult. Why? Well, look at verse 3. 
For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Many listeners become bored. We shouldn't be surprised at that, should we? We're warned about that right here in the Word of God. Uh, many listeners will become bored, lose interest, become distracted. But your pastor, and you must stay focused on the Word and communicating that Word. And so Paul tells Timothy in verse 5, As for you, in a distracted society, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, this is a time of uncertainty, is it not? Moral uncertainty for the United States and Germany. Uh, we're in a period of spiritual declension, moral chaos. Uh, there's no questioning about what uncertain times we live in. But in the midst of uncertainty, let your pastor and you be about the business of what is of ultimate importance, preaching. Your minister must preach, and you must support the preaching of the Word. Won't you commit yourself afresh tonight as you set apart this man to be your minister, as God sets him apart? Won't you commit yourself afresh to supporting and interceding for the ministry of the Word of God. Let us pray. What a joy it is tonight, our Heavenly Father, to acknowledge publicly the man that you've raised up to minister this flock. We pray that he might minister the Word with faithfulness, and just as importantly, that the congregation here will receive the preached Word with gladness, that this congregation will grow in godliness, and power of witness as they sit under the ministry of your inerrant word. And we intercede tonight in behalf of this congregation in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit reign, one God forever and ever. Amen. On the 10th of October, 2023, the Examination Committee of the Southeast Alabama Presbytery convened to examine Mr. Halter for the ministry. And after that examination, they proposed the following to the Presbytery. They said the purpose of the meeting was also to examine Mr. Dylan Halter for ordination. The committee examined him on his Christian experience call to ministry, views, Bible content, theology, sacraments, church history, and church polity. In addition, the committee examined his written sermon manuscript, his exegetical and theological papers, transcripts, and heard his preached sermon. Mr. Halter, already licensed in the Presbytery of Mississippi Valley, and so his examinations for licensure uh, served as the written basis for the subject areas of Bible content, theology, and church polity, even as the committee examined him orally in each of those subject areas. Mr. Halter has been called to pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church, Stuttgart, Germany, via MMI. After discussion, the following motions were moved, seconded, and approved that Mr. Halter's examination and Christian experience be approved, that Mr. Halter's examination in theological views be approved, that his examination as a whole be approved, and the vote was six to zero, no doubts. Then on the 24th of October, 2023, before the whole presbytery, 
the Presbytery approved all of Mr. Halter's examinations and trials for ordination, and they established a commission to install Mr. Halter on this, the 28th of January, 2024. And after being given the questions for, licentia, for a licentiate, they prayed and blessed his ministry. And now tonight, Reverend DuBose will come up and read him the vows for the pastorate. Dylan, if you'll join me on the chancel here. I have 11 questions for the pastor, and thankfully, mercifully, only four for the congregation. So here are the questions to the pastor. Dylan, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be, be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine, you will on your own initiative make known to your presbytery the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? I do. Do you approve of the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? I do. Do you promise subjection to your brothers in the Lord? I do. Have you been induced as far as you know your own heart to seek the office of the holy ministry from love to God and a sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace and unity of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account? I do. Do you engage to be, a, be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and minister of the gospel, whether personal or relational, private or public? and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before the flock of which God shall make you an overseer. I do. Do you now undertake the work of an evangelist and do you promise in reliance on God for strength to be faithful in the discharge of all the duties incumbent on you as minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. These are the questions for installation. Are you now willing to take charge of this congregation as their pastor, agreeable to your declaration in accepting its call? I am. Do you conscientiously believe and declare, as far as you know your own heart, that in taking upon you this charge, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of the church? I do. Do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to maintain a deportment in all respects becoming a minister of the gospel of Christ, agreeable to your ordination engagements. I do. And now, Congregation of Covenant Fellowship Church, I have four questions for you, and I'd like for you to give your assent to each one by raising your right hand as I read the question and conclude it. Do you, the people of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Dylan Halter, whom you have called to be your pastor? If you do, would you signify by raising your hand? Secondly, do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due exercise of discipline? Raise your hands if you agree. Thirdly, do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification. Fourth and finally, do you engage to continue to him while he is your pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? If you do, will you raise your hand? Now if Sammy will come to offer the prayer of ordination and installation. And I think we want Dylan to kneel and for the other ruling elders and teaching elders to come and we'll lay hands on him as he offers that prayer. 
us pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, giver of all good things, that by your Holy Spirit has appointed diverse orders of ministers in your church, may Mr. Dylan Halter exalt you, O Lord, in the midst of your people, offer spiritual sacrifices to you, and boldly proclaim the gospel of salvation and rightly administer the sacraments of the covenant. Make him a faithful pastor in word and deed, a patient teacher and a wise counselor. Grant that in all things he may serve without reproach to the glory of your name and profit of your congregation so that your people may be strengthened. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. He's receiving the right hand of fellowship. Let me give a declaration. I now pronounce and declare that Dylan Halter has been regularly elected, ordained, and installed as pastor of this congregation, agreeable to the Word of God and according to the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such, he is entitled to all support, encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Reverend Halter, I have the privilege to give you the charge. I was in uh, your shoes about five years ago before being sent to Norway, and it's a privilege to give you the charge, having had some experience in the field. When I was raising support for the ministry, I kept a, a picture in my Bible of uh, William Tyndale. William Tyndale, he was an inspiration to me. In this picture, in the inscription, it says, To scatter Roman darkness by this light, the loss of land and life I'll reckon slight. To scatter Roman darkness by this light, the loss of land and life I'll reckon slight. And I know you have a storied military service history, and I know that your family is no stranger to sacrifice. But it's remarkable to me that a little over 400 kilometers from here, William Tyndale, in the 1530s, gave his life to give the whole counsel of God to the English-speaking world. Of course, Germans did that as well here in, in Germany, thinking of Luther risking his life. And you get a mixture of both of that, being a, an international congregation in Germany. But you are now called by God to bring the word and the whole word to the people. We've had an excellent sermon this evening reminding us to preach the word as Paul spoke to Timothy. But I think of another farewell message that Paul gave, and that was to the Ephesian elders when he called them to come up to the island of Miletus and join him as Paul gives them his last will and testament for them. And I want to give you a, a brief charge from Acts chapter 20. Going to his own death for the word of God, Paul gave his last will and testament to these brothers in Ephesus. And there's four things that stand out to me in that closing sermon. The first is his charge to give the whole counsel of God. In fact, he reminded them that blood is on their hands until they deliver the whole counsel of God. And so my char first charge is make yourself innocent of the blood of this congregation by declaring to them the whole counsel of God. Paul says in Acts 20, verse 26, 
Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So we all have our hobby horses in the, the areas of theology we love. And I hope you share those loves with the congregation, but never neglect your duty to give it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the hard, the happy sermons, and the challenging ones to the people. Secondly, I charge you from Paul's words and remind you to pay attention to the flock that God has entrusted to you. We have this beautiful reminder in verse 28 that it's the Holy Spirit that calls and anoints elders. But what is that for? It's no longer a duty to protect your country, but to protect the blood-bought people of God. And he says in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So you have the beautiful privilege to give your life to protect the blood-bought people of God that he's entrusted to you in your midst. And the reminder for that, too, is because wolves are going to come in. Sadly, even in the case of Ephesus, Paul says, wolves will come in even among you, not sparing the flock. And in this ministry that God's called you to, you're going to make many friends. And I trust many lifelong friends. But in this ministry of light, just like William Tyndale, you're going to make a few enemies as well. And you have to do your duty to stand firm and protect the flock with the word of God. Thirdly, I charge you to follow Christ and to follow Paul's example, as he reminds the Ephesian elders in verse 35, where he says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And you and your family have made a great sacrifice moving to a foreign land. And there's going to be many sacrifices along the way. There's going to be many missed family gatherings. Many uh, distant friendships that you'll have because God called you here. But in all of it, it is vital that you and your wife and your kids remember that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And great will be your reward in heaven. Finally then, like Paul to the Ephesian elders, I want to commend you to the grace of God, knowing that he will be with you always to the end of the age. And I know that I don't want to steal the charge of the congregation, but know that God, just as he sent you here, he's also placed in this congregation many people to assist you in bringing the gospel to Stuttgart and beyond. So may God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and in the good and the bad, may he give you peace. Amen. Congregation of Covenant Fellowship Church Stuttgart. This is the word of God to you and to me, to us, from Hebrew chapter 13, verses 7 to 19. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burnt outside the camp. 
So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to, uh, to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. We have witnessed today the ordination and installation of Pastor Dylan Halter as pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church Stuttgart, our pastor. During Friday's study group recently, someone asked whether we should address someone as pastor so-and-so or elder so-and-so, because after all, at the outset, in Matthew 23, tells us not to call anyone rabbi or teacher or even father, because we are all brothers. When we are addressing someone as pastor or elder, we are not elevating him, but it is to remind ourselves of the shepherd flock nature of relationship. It is to remind ourselves that we are under his authority that God has placed upon us. As we read and, uh, and heard earlier, your leaders have a task to shepherd you after Jesus Christ. We have to admit that we are weak and prone to fall prey to false teachings, which may at times look exciting, appealing, and look modern. But Jesus Christ is the same yesteryear, today, and in the future. His sacrifice is complete and permanent. Something that is perfect does not need any update, not like our phone that requires frequent updates. The gospel is always up to date for any era, for any nation and culture. Your leaders, your elders, your pastor have tasks to continually bring you back to Christ, care for your souls, lead you in doing good deeds as gratitude for your salvation. Congregation of Covenant Fellowship Church, you also have some task and hence this charge. Number one, let us obey our leaders and submit to them. Who can say they obey God whom they cannot see while they do not want to obey the authority God placed upon them that they can see? Number two, let us support the leaders in performing their jobs so they can serve joyfully. And number three, let us pray for our leaders that they have clear conscience always act honorably in all things and not to fall into sin. As of today, we have Pastor Dylan Halter as Christ under shepherd for us. I urge you the more earnestly to do all that you have answered I do in earlier questions. If I can paraphrase what Paul said to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, chapter 4, Chapter 5, verses 12 to 13. I beseech you, brethren and sisters, to know him which labor among us and are over us in the Lord and admonish us. Let us esteem him very highly in love for his work's sake and be at peace among ourselves. Well, good evening. Um, let me just express uh, my joy to be a guest here today and say that I bring all blessings and prayers from those at Grace Church Lab at Peter Day Dillon. Um, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. 
not only for the opportunity to worship together, but also to share in the wonderful joy of seeing Dylan ordained and installed here as minister of Covenant Fellowship Church. It marks a new stage of life for Dylan and for the family, but also for the whole church here as we've been hearing this evening. And so we rejoice with them and we pray your blessing upon Dylan, upon Megan, upon Luke and Raylan and Jonathan and the whole church family here. But we also recognize, Father, that today is not the most significant new beginning in Dylan's life. We thank you that in your kindness, all those years ago, you called him, you saved him, you washed him clean, filled him with your spirit and taught him, sanctified him, and led him into a life of service that has brought him to this point now. So this evening we want to give you the great glory for what you have done in Dylan's life to lead him to this point. And we confidently trust that you will continue to work in him, filling him with your Holy Spirit, equipping him for the ministry that you have before him. We trust that you, the one who began a good work in him, will surely bring it to completion, just as you promised. And so, Father, we pray not only that you would empower him for the work set before him, but that you'd also guide him by way of your son's example. Jesus is the good shepherd, our good shepherd, who laid down his life for us, his sheep. We pray likewise that Dylan, your chosen under-shepherd for this congregation, that he would do likewise. We pray that he would always put the church's needs before his own, that he would feed them on truth, on your word, protect them from danger, and lead them into good pasture where they will ultimately find rest. Jesus is also the prophet, the logos, truth in human flesh. And we pray that Dylan would likewise have a prophetic ministry that he would constantly proclaim Christ to this congregation, protect him from the temptation of speaking something new or something novel. May all his words point to our beloved Lord Jesus. Give him words in season and out of season, timely words that strike to the hearts of those who are listening. Jesus is also our high priest, who sits at your right hand interceding for us. Though we know that we have no need for a human priest today because Jesus brings us directly into the Father's presence. Nonetheless, we pray that Dylan's ministry will be full of prayer and intercession for those who are here today, who you have placed under his care. May he always point to the one whose intercession is perfect and unrelenting for them and to the one who made atonement for their sin. So Father, we pray that you sustain Dylan all his life through, that he might discharge the duties and minister here at Covenant Fellowship Church. May he treat your church with the tender care that it deserves, knowing that she is your bride, that you bled and died for. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, as we draw our service towards a close this evening, let me introduce our final hymn for us, For All the Saints, which you'll find in number 358.